Great. Please do keep that uh, passage open. And that'll be wonderful, page 976. Shall we pray as we look at this together? Lord God, we do uh, thank you for uh, your word to us, Lord. And we pray this morning you would uh, speak to us by your spirit uh, through uh, these words recorded for us, that we may uh, see Jesus for who he is and trust him, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a question. Well, what does it look like to be part of the kingdom of God today? Or I suppose, put another way, what is the experience of someone in the kingdom of God? It's just over two weeks, isn't it, until Christmas, carol service time, as Richard has been saying. That celebration of God breaking into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, light breaking into darkness, the beginning of the relentless advance of the kingdom of God, of the rule of King Jesus. And the kingdom of God is advancing uh, relentlessly all over the world where the good news of Jesus is preached. People are being added to the church. I was reading this week about the uh, rise of the church in China. Really interesting. China is the new kind of world superpower or on the way uh, to becoming uh, the world's superpower, and the rapid growth of the church in the teeth of kind of persecution, opposition, it's been described by some people as one of the great wonders of the world. Apparently, China is on track to be the new world superpower by about 2030, which is the point in time uh, where it's forecast or predicted to be the most Christian country in the world. Isn't that interesting? Who says God isn't strategic? Yet often, it's, it's fair to say, isn't it, that doesn't fit with our experience. Frequently, it doesn't feel like Jesus is king. So we're diagnosed with a serious illness. Or someone we love dies too young. Our marriage is still really hard work. The busyness of life and work just makes us feel like we're kind of hamster on a spinning wheel. Perhaps talk of Jesus as king, the kingdom of God, just makes you think, what planet are you on, Alex? You know, you've not been in my house this week. You've not been in my halls of residence this week. You've not been in my office this week. And that is before, isn't it? You even start to get to the darkness that is in so many parts of the world, the persecution of so many people in humanitarian disasters, Christians murdered in the Middle East, so much kind of secular propaganda that is out there. Personally, frequently, it doesn't feel often that Jesus is king, that the kingdom of God really is marching on relentlessly. Well, if that's how you feel, you're in good company. Just look at verse 1 of this passage. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist, as Richard was saying, had the task, didn't he, of pointing to God's king uh, when he arrived, of announcing the judgment of God uh, on all God's enemies as God himself came to rule. He was the forerunner, 
before Jesus, announcing the arrival of King Jesus, telling people, as Richard was saying, to turn around, to get ready, to be prepared, to change. And in doing so, John had confronted King Herod. He was basically a Donald Trump-like figure. That's who Herod was. He had seduced the wife of his own stepbrother. John, John had told him, turn your life around. Didn't go down too well. Herod had John arrested, thrown in prison in a fortress down by the Red Sea. And so languishing in jail, John seems to be, we could say, something of a bewildered believer, doesn't he? Perhaps battled emotionally, spiritually, physically, he sends a question to Jesus, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Is Jesus really king? If Jesus is really king, then how can I make sense of my current experience? I wonder, have we ever felt like that? I think we struggle, don't we, to admit our doubts. Only a certain faith is respectable. Only portraying how solid we are, that is the sound thing to do. I can't admit to wrestling with doubt. Yet that, that thinking would exclude, wouldn't it, John the Baptist. A man of whom Jesus says in verse 11, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. It excludes many of the great Christians in history. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian writers on doubt. Someone once said, doubt is everyone's problem. So the response of Jesus to John's question here helps us make sense of our life as Christians. Jesus responds, I think, in two ways uh, to John's question. Firstly, he says, look at my works. Look at the works of Christ. In answer to the doubts of John the Baptist, Jesus quotes two famous passages uh, from Isaiah. And in doing so, we discover that what Jesus has been doing in previous months is exactly what the prophet Isaiah said would be happening as God's king, as God's promised Messiah arrives. Back in chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew, Matthew set out in narrative form the deeds of Jesus, what Jesus actually did. And in chapter 10, he sends his disciples out on mission. Word spread, it reaches John the Baptist. And in chapter 11, John begins with a question, are you really the one? Jesus says, remember what I have done. Look at verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. What has Jesus been doing? Just turn back to chapter 8 quickly, back on page 9. 72, and just kind of scan through with me. Chapter 8 and 9 are great. If you want to read about what Jesus does, these are brilliant passages. Just look at uh, chapter 8. Jesus cured a leper. Leprosy was the cancer of the day, yet with a word and a touch, a leper is cured. Jesus healed the servant of a centurion who was at the point of death without even a face-to-face consultation. 
Jesus healed so many people in Capernaum. Hospitals would have been emptied. Doctors would have been on the dole. Jesus calms a furious storm at sea, rebuking the winds and the waves. He cast out demons from two violent men who seemed beyond help. With the words, he healed a paralyzed man who'd been immobile probably for decades. He raised a girl who had been dead. Imagine that. Healed a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. With a touch, Jesus restored sight to blind men. Is Jesus the one? Has the kingdom of God really come, really arrived? Look at my works, says Jesus. The answer Jesus gives here is a summary, accurate summary of all he has been doing in recent months in Capernaum. But more than that, it's more than that. These words of Jesus, they're also a summary of one of those most famous prophecies of Isaiah in the Old Testament, where the prophet Isaiah speaks of God visiting the world, a kind of divine visitation, rescuing his people from everything that wrecks this world. Just turn back again to Isaiah chapter 35. It's on page 719. It's worth turning up. Page 719. Chapter 35, verse 5. Verse 5 of chapter 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the dead un- deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. That is what Jesus has been doing. That is what Matthew records in chapter 8. And yet, what is so striking, if you notice this, is what Jesus leaves out in his answer to John that is there in the prophecy of Isaiah. Just look at verse 4 of Isaiah 35. It speaks of God coming in judgment, with vengeance, with divine retribution, to save his people. And yet, if you turn back to at Matthew 11, there's no mention of that. No mention by Jesus of judgment in his words in Matthew 11. Why is that? Why does Jesus leave that out here? Jesus came to do all of the things that we long for God to do. To roll back the chaos of our world, to bring an end to disease and to death, to raise the dead from their graves, to make things right once and for all. God has said it will happen. John the Baptist says the king has come, so he's expecting it to happen now, yet he is languishing in a prison cell. What the heck is going on? So we ask, bewildered, is Jesus really the king? Jesus says, look at my works. The king has come, but... But there's a window of opportunity to respond. To respond to the king as good news is preached. Now is not the time for judgment. Judgment will come, make no mistake, but not now. So now is not the moment when everything will be put right. But be in no doubt, I am the king. 
says Jesus. There are also um, these words, a summary of Isaiah 61. John would have known these words. He would have heard the echo as he hears Jesus' answer. The phrase of good news being preached to the poor is a classic carol service reading, isn't it? Straight from Isaiah 61. A promise of good news is made to the poor. Who are the poor? Who are the poor in this context? Not simply the materially poor. The poor are all those who are suffering in a sin-wrecked world. The poor are those who face disease, who face death, who face injustice. You and me. The poor will have good news preached to them. There is hope. Isaiah 61 speaks again of judgment and yet no echo in these verses of that by Jesus. This is, isn't it, an answer to to the doubting believer. We've got those doubts. Yes, it is time. Jesus has come. Don't be in doubt. But the time has not yet come to end everything that spoils the world. Hang in there, is what Jesus says to John. Where does Jesus take John? Where does he take a doubting believer? To the evidence, doesn't he? Look at my works, says Jesus. If, you experience, if you've experienced this week opposition, things that make you think, has the kingdom of God really broken in? Isn't Christmas just a hoax? Then look at the works of Jesus. Do you see that, how Jesus does, does more than that? Jesus also says, doesn't he, secondly, listen to the words of God. Listen to the word of God. Look at verse 7, back in Matthew 11. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. What is Jesus saying here? That John the Baptist is not a politician. This is not a guy who flip-flops around uh, with his views. He's not someone who simply responds to public opinion, kind of swaying in the breeze. He had God's words, and he got on with speaking them. He wasn't in the pay of a king. He wasn't a sycophantic a kind of puppet for somebody else. He's a prophet who spoke the truth of God. And that is why people flocked in their thousands to see him, to hear him, why every news organisation would have been there broadcasting what John the Baptist had been saying from the Jordan. John's profession, if you like, was a prophet, but no ordinary prophet. John is the one about whom it is written I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. That is exactly what God had promised in the last book of the Bible in Malachi. God had said, look, I'm, not, I'm going to come back, but I'm not going to come unannounced. I'll send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. So God was never going to kind of slip in by the back door 
or come sort of unexpectedly down the chimney. There would be, no, there would be a publicly recognized figure in the long line of prophets who all pointed to God breaking into his world, the kingdom of God breaking in. Just pause for a minute and just think about the evidence, if you like, that is laid out here. Do you see that? God promised to break in and to rescue his world. He promised good news would be preached to the poor. Jesus came, fulfilled, delivered on, we could say, those promises. He had those authentic marks. God promised a prophet like no other would appear before the starting gun of God's kingdom who would say, here is the one, here is God's king. Do you see the matrix of evidence that's being built up here, pointing, all pointing in the same direction? Jesus is the king. The kingdom of God has broken in. Surely when we understand that's the case, verse 11, on the face of it, quite a tricky verse, isn't it? Verse 11 makes sense. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What is Jesus saying there? John the Baptist pointed to the king. But those who hear what the king has to say, who turn to the king, who follow him, they are greater than John the Baptist. It takes a while to get your head around that. Why is that? Because they're actually in the kingdom of heaven. So he pointed, we follow. So even the least, even the most shaky, the most uncertain, the most insecure Christian is greater than John the Baptist, who himself, Jesus says, is greater than Abraham, than Moses, than Jacob, than King David, than Solomon. Because everything that John the Baptist pointed to, you now have. Isn't that amazing? That is why verse 6 is wonderfully true, isn't it? Look at verse 6. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Is the kingdom of God advancing? Yes, it is. But the king has not yet come in final judgment, so we cannot expect the full blessings of the kingdom of God. There will still be sickness and death and injustice. And yet, as verse 6 says, what blessings we have as Christians, what blessings we have that we remember at Christmas time, do we count our blessings? Our sins are forgiven. You know, whatever we've done, there is no condemnation if we are in Jesus Christ. God looks at us and is delighted because he looks at us and he sees Jesus Christ. That is the amazing work of the cross. When Jesus returns, as he will in judgment, we will know, we know where we are going. 
Christians know where they're going to live with God forever in a new creation where everything will be put right once and for all, where there is no more mourning or crying or pain, where God himself will wipe away tears from human eyes. There is life beyond the grave. Some of us here have been bereaved this year. The first Christmas is a tough time after that. We can have real confidence, can't we, that we will see people again. Death will be no more for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. What about friendships? As Christians, we have relationships, don't we, with people we would never otherwise meet or spend time with. It is not always easy, of course. None of us are perfect. But there is, isn't there, an integrity and a trust and a love and something that is deep and is different and is real about church family here, about being brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We've got the good news of knowing God, of knowing the best way of living, God's way of living. We'll have the joy of meeting Jesus Christ on that final day. Christmas is all about the arrival of God's King. It marks the beginning of the relentless advance of the kingdom of God, the rule of King Jesus. What does Jesus say if we doubt that? Look at the works of Christ. Listen to the words of God. What a thing it is to celebrate. Let's pray. Lord God, we do uh, praise you for this passage. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, the life and the ministry of John the Baptist that he pointed people uh, to Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord God, that he points us to Jesus Christ, tells us to get ready and to prepare. And Lord God, we praise you that uh, in Jesus Christ we have everything uh, that we need. Lord, we we know the the reality of forgiveness, of a new life, of a promise of eternal hope and eternal life with God forever. Lord God, we pray in those moments where where we doubt, where things around us press in and discourage, that we would hold to that truth. Like John the Baptist, we would ask the question, but know the answer coming back to us as we look at the works of Christ, as we listen to the words of God. And Lord God, that you'd help us this Christmas and always to put our trust in the Lord Jesus, who is all-sufficient for every need that we have. In his name we pray. Amen.